Joseph. I love being on here with you guys, Nick and Joe. I really appreciate it. Wait, like, damn it, Nick. TLDR, you guys are awesome. And welcome back to T. Oh, Jesus. Now it's start. And welcome back to TLDR. I'm your friendly neighborhood. Oh. Yes, kiddo. What a day. What a start. <laughs> this is a perfect start. What? No, now you're on mute, Joe. Jesus Christ. Okay. Welcome back to TLDR. I'm your friendly neighborhood backcracker, Dr. Joe. With me, as always, is my hunk in crime. And today, for those watching on YouTube, Twitter, or Twitch, Doc is on location, baby, <laughs> from the clock tower with my good pal, Friar. Mick, oh how's it going? How the fuck did you do that? <laughs> I got my ways. Oh, my, my ways. God. You must have taken a screenshot when I was like off screen sometime. We were talking or some shit. That's impressive. No, right no, there. no. When you went to go rip a piss at the restaurant the other day, I said, Lauren, I need a favor. Oh. I need to take a picture of Nick's wall. Look at this. It's perfectly framed. Oh, Look at that. Oh, my huh? God. Wow. <laughs> that is amazing. And I'm going to have an argument with her after the show. So thank you for starting that, starting our night off on a, on a good note. <laughs> and she's happy with you because the, the author you're talking about today, Lauren, is a big fan of too. Hell yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. This is, um, I'm totally rattled right now. But I do want to remind people, Joe did already mention Twitter, Twitch, and YouTube. If you're coming across us on any of those platforms in video form, we're also available in audio form. A lot easier to listen to us there. Uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Geeks Worldwide, SoundCloud, Rod Midnight.fm too. Um, all the places, Amazon Music, Audible. You can find us anywhere that you find your podcast. I know we're on at least 10 platforms, so if we're not on the one that you listen to, let us know, and I'll make sure we get over there. But we got all the major ones. Um, also, Joe, we did want to touch on, too, of course, the unfortunate passing of legendary comic book artist tim sale i know that you posted something on instagram of course um a lot of ton of batman stuff over the years um and i know this would hit you pretty hard yeah i mean we, we we've lost a lot of titans uh you know lately and this one just really seemed just this one hit me a little bit harder uh because i have a collection of tim sales books i mean some some of his books you know with jeff loeb uh, are just some of my favorite just batman stories as well as superman superman for all seasons is one of my favorite superman books and he was young he's young mm -hmm. he's uh he's my mother's 66, age i think yeah he's my mother's age yeah and so um it, it sounded like he'd been been battling an illness i don't know the exact details but it just it just came out of the blue and uh it, it just really just kind of hit me and it sucks and you know like i said uh you know uh, um Superman for all seasons, Long Halloween, uh, Dark Victory. Uh, some of the, some of those iconic books he did with Jeff Loeb are just some of my all-time favorite Batman books. So uh, they just uh, th this one really sucked. Yeah, it's a rough day. And you're right; we yeah. have lost quite quite a few too many, uh, you know, uh, comic book creators over over the recent years. Um, so it's, it is sad to see him go. Um, and there really isn't a, a great way for us to kind of pivot out of any of this kind of stuff. So I think we can, uh, we'll just slowly meander over to, uh, <laughs> to catching up. Um, and I'll, I'll lead us into this, Joe. I got two that I caught up on, uh, devil's highway volume two issue two from our guy, Benjamin Percy in radiant red from our girl, cherish Chen, uh, issue three of that. Uh, both of them really enjoyed, of course, radiant red, the fourth issue that came out this week. Devil's highway though, continues to be, um, like, I really obviously talked about the, the first volume on this show. Really liked it a lot. Definitely could have stayed its own thing. I am so glad that Ben is revisiting this story and going forward. Um, I, I This is like these first two issues have been outstanding. And I think like where I thought the entire first volume was really good. Um, obviously, TLDR worthy. I think this is even a step above. So nice. Really enjoyed these first two issues. Then Radiant Red. Um, definitely an interesting twist in the fourth one, but, uh, that's, well, we're not going to expand on that one quite as much, but really enjoy the work that Cherish is doing over there. Um, obviously. was that the final issue or is there, is there one more, one more? I thought there was originally going to be four as well, but there's going to be five. So uh, nice. definitely a little twist at the end of, of issue four. And I, when I read it, I was like, wait a minute, you're going to end on this and that's it. You're not going to give us any more. That's how you stop this whole thing. Like, of course you can revisit it in radiant black or something like that, but come on, that's how you end it. So 
very good ending for what's gonna for the uh, penultimate issue of this this mini series. Um, but Joe, what have you been catching up on? Uh, so I finally caught up on the past couple issues of Darth Vader. I've been uh, a little behind on this. I read issues 21, 22, 23. And this is a Star Wars, uh, you know, uh, property right now that I can actually enjoy. uh, Because I'm the only one. It's just not my... I mean, there's some good stuff there. But God, I was... I think I hyped it up too much. And I'm just... I I think you did. Fucking Little Leia's just absolutely just... Absolutely just shows brutal she's i should show's not brutal she's brutal it takes me out of it just it's just it's so funny how like so for you and you love mando right uh yes okay so i think mando's the best thing that we've oh, gotten 100%. from the show so i don't think there's much up much debate for that i do think the last four episodes of boba fett were very well done i know everybody needed says, mando Right, what, right. right. Yes. No. I understand that. Yes. But the the stuff in the final episode, and I thought that what they did in the fir- the episode before Mando got brought in was all like was good. Like you should have given us that much sooner in the story. Uh, but they needed to do all of this back to tank stuff just so you could have it freaking in this too. But um, it's interesting. Like I love Mando. I think Mando's the best stuff. You do as well. Then I talked to my dad, who like is doesn't hate Mando, but doesn't really care for it as much. Loves the Obi Wan stuff. I thought <laughs> Obi Wan is good, but it's just like. Dude, like, what are you, what, what are you talking about? Like, it's not- you could, you could, we, had, there was a long discussion on Twitter earlier today where you could take Leia out of the story completely, rewrite that. You could write the show where you still have the same thing. It doesn't need to revolve around Leia, right? Mm-hmm. Like, she's like, she's just there to, you know, sort of plant the seeds of some relationship between her and uh, Obi Wan. Mm-hmm. But really, it's about Reva trying to, you know, track down obi-wan right darth vader wanted to, it's like you can do that in a much different way without having this you know wildly annoying character that we don't need um hmm. See, it's you just know? not annoy me just, as, just, just takes me out she does not as annoy me as much as you but it's this thing i, t- I asked my dad I was like you don't have a problem with little Leia. And he's like no why would somebody have a problem with little leia um but yeah so yeah there you go apparently yeah. um but anyways uh let's move over to what's new because we got a ton of books to talk about today a lot of new releases um, oh Joe, why, boy why don't you take us through what we got from uh, marvel and, and surprisingly enough like marvel has the least interesting stuff that uh, i wanted to read this week but we've got moon knight number 12 amazing spider-man number four x-men number 12 which i just read uh, continues to be excellent uh new mutants 26 miles morales spider-man number 39 immortal x-men number three knights of x number three New Fantastic Four number one, Star Wars Crimson Reign number five, Silver Surfer Rebirth number five, Marvel Voices Pride number one, Miles Morales and Moon Girl number one, and probably the the, the biggest book I was looking forward to, I haven't had a chance to read it yet, but um, looks awesome, is Punisher War Journal Blitz number one. Yeah, and I do want to touch on New Fantastic Four issue one really quick. I was excited for this one because this is Joe Fixit, Wolverine, Ghost Rider, and Spider-Man. 100% more of a kid's book than anything else. Um, it's not like poorly done or anything, but it's just like not, it's definitely not for our age range, like for old, you know, older readers. Um, obviously there's plenty of stuff that can be both. This was not necessarily, I didn't feel like, it's not like My Little Ponies, like where it's like little, little kids, but not for, you know, older readers. So whatever. Um, but Punisher War Journal Blitz issue one, Joe, uh, stuff dealing with stuff with the hand, um, you know, a ton of action of course you expect this obviously a lot of violence um dealing with like a thing that punisher like a, a character had that had survived the punisher in the past um you know very hateful character very vicious character um who's willing to sacrifice everybody else's uh, everybody else at his own um his own betterment so some awesome stuff there and uh, it's just more of like dealing with the hand in everything too and i just think he's done you're, you're seeing punisher this is a chance to see him kind of having an army at his command and what, how he kind of handles that whole situation. So um, just more of it's different art, you know, creative team, but more of the same with the, the Punisher stuff that we're getting right now in Jason Aaron's main line at this point. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. I got, yeah. I definitely, this, this and X-Men were the two things I really wanted to read this week. I got to X-Men, didn't get a chance to this, but that sounds, I mean, outside, I'm not a big fan of the logo change. Mm. I understand why they did it, but, that small gripe aside, I love what they've been doing with Punisher. 
uh, with this little rebirth that he's having. So I can't wait to read this. Yeah, they really have been doing some, some awesome stuff with him. I mean, mixing him in with the hand, not something I ever thought. Like, and, and No, just, but it works and so well. What's crazy is like the whole issue is good. And then they give us like this what the fuck moment at the <laughs> end. They've done it a few times um, at the yeah, end of the issue. So it. it's, been, it's been awesome, awesome. Um, from DC, we got Nightwing 93. Um, so good. The, the Flash 783, Batman Superhero World's Superman World's Finest uh, Issue 4, Catwoman 44, Dark Crisis Young Justice Issue 1, Fables 152, Aquaman and the Flash Void Song Issue 1, Earth Prime 6, Heroes Welcome, Milestones in History Issue 1, Superman's Pal, Jimmy, Jimmy Olsen's Boss, Perry White Issue 1, probably my least favorite uh, you know, title of any. Oh, it's the it's the fucking worst. Come on, like, just I'm, I'm sure the book's fine, but what a fucking dumb title. Uh, uh Scooby Doo, where are you? One sixteen, uh, and then we got two that we wanted to hit on a little bit more at length. Uh, why don't you start us off on? Uh, actually, you wanted to do possible Doc Talk worthy book uh, from our buddy Chip Zdarsky. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, we've talked about this book a number of times, right? Uh, Batman the Night. And when we talk to Chip about it, you know, what, what makes this book interesting is that it, it really, you know, it's really for the first time giving us that transition from, you know, angry child teen Bruce Wayne into becoming Batman. And mm -hmm. I know we've talked about this before where people are like, do we really need this story? Don't we already know it? Well, what we all what. The only shit we really know that we've gotten from any sort of medium is Batman Begins, which in and of itself is a fine movie. I enjoy it, but it doesn't even come close to telling that story, right. you know, from going from, you know, young Bruce Wayne, you know, into Batman. And what Chip does here, he, he does two things really well. One, he's just telling a great story, right? Just, mm -hmm. just so far where we're at, he's just he's he understands the characters. He understands Bruce Wayne he's it's just he's writing a really fantastic story but the second thing he's done is he's he's sort of he's giving us these these subtle little things about the character that we already know but just makes it you know like he gives us context or reasons why batman is the way he is and he's done it very subtly we talked about in the early issues you know with his obsession with catwoman stems from you know, sort of his obsession with an early mentor who was a very Catwoman-esque uh, mm -hmm. character who he fell in love with. And with this issue here, you know, when you think of Batman, you think of justice, right? You think of, you know, vigilantism, but you think of like Batman is always going to, you know, he's got his code, right? Mm -hmm. His moral code. He doesn't use guns. He doesn't kill. That's mm -hmm. just something that, we know about Batman that we take, you know, as as fact, and and that's it. But what Chip does in this is in a in a in, in a two page sort of, you know, uh, you know, spread and series of panels here is that he he gives us very subtly, um, subtly, if I could speak correctly, mm. why that is, where that stemmed from, where that seed was planted, and it's mm -hmm. not like done through narration or excessive exposition. It's 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 uh, it's Bruce Wayne sharing a, a common thing with another character that that, you know, that they have exact, you know, no relation to each other whatsoever other than mentor and mentee. Mm -hmm. But as this character is telling his story, right, you get this flashback of Bruce and, you know, his, you know, the way his parents died and then what happens afterwards. And it's like that was fucking brilliant. Mm -hmm. Like that is that is such a perfect reason why batman refuses to use guns and refuses to kill yep not because he just got this moral code of i'm bruce i'm batman so that's how i'm gonna do it no there's a reason for it and and chip does it so perfectly mm. uh it just i read this issue and, and it was like it's like uh you know we've talked about this with some other books it just keeps getting better and better and yep. better yeah right? and, and, and it's just and of course the artist on this is carmine d Gian Domencio, I apologize. I'm definitely butchering it's Carmine's name. Um, but yeah, I, I agree. Like we're reading this, and it's and I've all we've always thought, like, you know, 
no guns. Okay, like that. There's definitely plenty of characters that are just like, okay, no guns, whatever. It's fine. It's not their thing. They have, you know, they object against it, whatever it is. But with Batman, like we do know with the no killing and everything, but the the no killing it can get frustrating at times, especially as a Red Hood fan, where it's mm-hmm. like, let him do it because he's gonna do it. Um, but with Batman, it's like, it, as you said, Joe, in this issue, it's it's just adding on to it more. It's like, okay, we've always known it being this one thing, and this is the main reason, the primary reason, and that's fine but now it's like there's another thing right there and it's really hammering at home and it doesn't have anything to do with his personal experience just learning through somebody else that he knew and what they did in their life and like how and then of course the experiences that transpire a little bit later on in the book too only compound things even more for him and how similar it was to him right Mm -hmm. like i said like Shared experiences are completely opposite of each other. Of two characters that don't know each other whatsoever, but it was it was just executed to perfection and gives such a, a great reasoning why you know that's what we got. Chips planted these little seeds for reasons why Batman is the way he is, why his obsession is with Catwoman, why his obsession is with this, with that, with no guns, no killing. It's mm-hmm. it's been exceptional. It's and what's so awesome about it too is like this is all this all feels very natural. Like there's none yeah. of it that's forced. There's none of it like where you get to that first issue and it's like oh yep all right this is where they're gonna go with it. Like as they're going through their training, I understand like oh yeah you want to know what a you know. You want to know all the things that your opponents can't are capable of, so that way you can disarm them, stop them, whatever. Like, yeah, we get there, but there's just there's more to it. There's more mm-hmm. every single time. So, and this is just like you said, it's these little things that just explain a little bit more why Batman feels this way or has this approach or whatever. So, it's it's been it's been an outstanding series. So, like, I yeah. think this is one just like they did with. Um, the Knights, the Knights of Steel, where they they came out with uh, with like three a three issue trade. So look, if you want to do that, by all means, uh, so you don't have to wait. But I would assume they're going to come out in you know, six issue trades. Well, this is a twelve issue story. Maybe they'll just come out with one twelve issue um, omnibus or whatever too. Or yeah, omnibus. I guess would be a calling a twelve issue <laughs> an omnibus versus yeah. just, a, just yeah, a trade. Just feels weird. <laughs> um, but. Either way, that's something that you, you guys are definitely want to pick up if you're mm-hmm. Batman fans. Um, and, it, and even if you haven't read a ton of Batman over the years, you can still read this. And as long as you have knowledge of Batman, you will be able to enjoy uh, that series. Now, obviously, you like Nightwing a lot. Another book that I was really looking forward to coming into this week was Black Adam. And I've said it before, not so much because I give a, like a huge shit about Black Adam, more so because I love Christopher Priest's work. He did an outstanding job with um, with Deathstroke. I actually got to look to find more of his work because I haven't read a, you know en- enough of him outside of his DC stuff. But you've got him and Rafa Sandoval on this, and it looks like Willie Schubert. Yep, that is. I believe that is the same uh, letterer that they he had for Deathstroke as well. Just looking at some of the stuff that he did. It's funny. I was actually looking at our, the, our review on Geeks Worldwide. I didn't write it, but they were kind of um, the, the reviewer was kind of like surprised at how. Uh, it wasn't Ferg. What was disjointed? Like it's things seemed within the story, and it's not that they're disjointed. But if you're not familiar with Priest storytelling style, it can mm. throw you off at first originally because he does this thing where he has like a not a data page, but like a a setting like panel, like and he tells you where things are. You know, if it was before what you just saw, um, those kinds of things. Sometimes it feels like like he he'll give you like a latitude longitude just to kind of for an effect. But more importantly, like he's just like telling you, like, okay, things shifted over to here. This is what's going on in this moment right now. This is where we are, you know, in the course of the story. So I personally like that. I think it's a it's a one way it, you can bounce around in different ways and stories. But for Priest and what he did with Deathstroke, it felt like very natural to me. And for this, like this first issue, for everything that they're trying to get into this first issue, totally worked for me as well. Um, that Black Adam is in a weird spot. Not at all what I expected coming into this series. Um, with, you know, in this first issue, I thought it was a rock solid first issue. I think the art is awesome. You get a decent amount of action too. definitely a couple little, uh, okie dokes mixed in. We meet a new character who's going to play uh, a, an important role in this series too. has some potential kind of a wisecracker. Um, so I think we got some, some good stuff here uh, in Black Adam. Definitely going to be looking at the second issue. And this is a 12-issue maxi series like The Night. I like that DC's doing more and more of this kind of stuff. With Christopher Priest, I love it. Very interested in it. Awesome. So, yeah, I, that's another book I wanted to check out uh, this week from DC. I just didn't get a chance to read. So very curious I'm looking forward to that because I – 
because I'm I'm very unfamiliar. Uh, cursory knowledge of Black Adam. Uh, I so think... with the movie coming out with the trailer looked awesome. I don't know if the book will tie into that at all, but I would like to read some more Black Adam stuff leading up to the movie. I think for people who aren't just based on the first issue, because and in, in, in you'll see what I'm talking about when you read it. I think this is going to be a series that people who aren't as familiar with Black Adam, this will be good for you. Like you're going to get to really know the character um, and maybe give you a good frame of mind of like what they're planning for the character in the future when it comes to DC or maybe even uh, maybe a shift in direction with the character uh, with DC. But anyways, I think it'll be interesting. Uh, of course, I've talked quite a bit about Marvel, a ton about DC, but whoo. Oh boy. The big week, of course, belongs to Image. Joe, take us through what uh, what came out from them. All right. So here's some of the books that uh, we read, we love, but we won't talk about, which should tell you how great of a fucking week it was from Image. Noctera, issue 11. Gunslinger Spawn, number nine. Mm. Deadly Class, 53. Uh, Radiant Red, number four. Uh, Bloodstained Teeth, number three. Uh, Homesick Pilots, number 15, which I believe is the finale. Uh, Beware the Eye of Odin, number one. I read this. Was it my cup of tea? We're just going to leave it at that. Um, Aerosmith Behind Enemy Lines, number six. Uh, and I always just think of the band whenever it's not spelled yeah. the same, but it's just uh, weird. Uh, but Hellcop, number eight. Zombies vs. Robots Classics, number four. And then we've got three books. Not including the ones that we just read that we want to talk about. Uh, so where should we start, Nicholas? Um, I think we should begin with the one book that you're going to touch on that uh, that I will not be touched on because I am behind on this series. Okay, so uh, get caught up. Okay, get caught up because right. the Silver Coin is fucking tremendous. Mm. So Silver Coin returns issue eleven uh, with. Uh, Yet to be friend of the show, but hopefully one day will be James Tynan the fourth. Um, mm. I I forgot that he I knew he was writing a silver coin book. I forgot it was this issue. So when, when we got the review copy, um, and I'm like, oh shit, and I saw his name there. So silver coin, I mean, we loved the first arc, right? And the first arc that was like there was this weird like roller coaster with it where the first few issues were really great, then we got a couple. We got like a meh issue. Then we got that weird eye worm uh, Jeff Lemire issue. And then I thought it kind of wrapped up pretty well by sort of giving us an origin of the coin. Mm -hmm. um, and then the second arc I thought was tremendous. It was just like start to finish. It was really great. They just kept getting creepier and creepier and creepier. And this issue, it felt like Tynan was sort of, you know, hearkening back to like um, – or those uh, scholastic books you would get uh, scary stories to tell in the dark. Uh, you I might thought it was a show. Oh no, 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 no! That was um, that was a yeah. Because I think Dork. Are you afraid of the dark? It. Right. Yeah. Yep. And so yep. like there was these like these little horror books, and and I only read one of them. There's a bunch of them, but there was one I just vividly remember where like, uh, and I think like The Simpsons kind of spoofed it where like. You know, the school cafeteria was grinding up kids and, and, and feeding them, uh, you know, yep. to right. So this this harkened back to that a lot. This was just great tiny story. I, tell, I, I forget who the artist is and I should have written that down. I apologize. But the art, uh, Michael, well, no, Walsh. The art Michael Walsh. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So Walsh's art like throughout this has just been like he's like nailed the vibe, you know, perfectly of just giving you that dark, creepy horror. And. We get a little, we get sort of a new character that might be sort of a a thread, a continuing thread thread through this next arc here. Oh, um, so yeah, just just like the story's great. It just it's a slow build, and then it ramps up. It just fucking takes off, and it is vicious. It is it is gory, uh, and it's just like this and hotel are are just two phenomenal horror anthology series that I think anyone mm. that's a fan of horror needs to read. So I can't wait till we have James Tynan on the show so we can tell him how much you've talked about him in other interviews. So we, <laughs> I'm sure I feel very comfortable knowing how much you're on, he's on your mind. Right. <laughs> but yeah, Silver Coin, I, I definitely need to catch up on that. The second trade of that is out now. Um, so it should be easy for anybody to catch up on that. Of course, really catch up, Nicholas. Part. Just do it. Other you're than the, uh, you'll, the, you'll fly through it in a night. I guarantee it. I you'll, believe you'll that. Rip through them. 
I other than the Lemire eyeworms, uh, I've oh, yeah, I enjoyed Jesus. this very much too. But yeah, yeah, there's just been so much just from Image alone. Like if you're someone who's just like I, I want to just read Image comics, like you could very easily do that and get a ton of awesome stories. Um, it you know week to week because as we're looking at this, right? We I mean we're not talking about Philadelphia. We're not talking about King Spawn. Obviously, we talked to Sean recently, Sean Lewis recently about uh, Above Snakes that's going to be coming out. I mean, uh, Nita Haw's Nightmare Blog. We haven't gotten much any of that in a little while too. So those are just two friends of the show that have two awesome books over there. Yeah. I didn't even mention the Scorched. So there's just there's so much, and, and, and that's in this week alone we have some crazy shit. Yeah. Um, but then we got two other books that we did want to hit on. Um, we mentioned a uh, friend of the show, Chip Zdarsky earlier. Let's hit on Newburn issue eight from him um, in Jacob Phillips. And uh, I know that you were, te- you tech, you actually read this one before I did. You read both these books before I did. Um, yeah. But this is this whole, the whole issue that's been going on in these, in um, the last few, the last few issues of, um, of Newburn got wrapped up here. And I think, I mean, look, this is like Easton Newburn where he's, he seems like he's an impossible spot all the time, constantly. He finds his way out of you know, how to do that, how to get out of this situation. But what's more wild is just, how far he goes mentally and with his approach and how he has to handle some of the people that he deals with. And it's just like, Oh fuck. Like this guy always seemed like this way, you know, calm, cool and collected. And then we see him act quite a bit different in this issue. And it's like, Oh fuck this guy. Yeah. He's not afraid to go there, I guess. No. And and what's been great about this series is that the first four or five issues were anthology like, Right. Mm-hmm. It was a different case each episode or each issue, I should say. Right. And so we're getting to know a little bit more about Newburn and his methods. And and then we get the the issue that focuses on his partner there, which was great because I remember you at the time saying eh, it wasn't my favorite. But I told you, said this is going to play such an important part. We need to know a little bit more about her. We get her, you know, sort of her background. And then the last three issues has been one linear story. And it's just each one has been better than the next. And the and then how it comes together in this issue. And like you said, how not only the depths of which Newburn is willing to go to, but another layer to his character. And I won't spoil it, but there was one panel where he just says, you know, he says one thing and it is so definitive. And it's mm-hmm. so it seems so out of character for him. And you're just left thinking. Where the fuck is this series gonna go now? Yep. Right. I, I and so, agree. like again, new burn must read. Go out, get it. It's just mm-hmm. Zadarski, 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 Zadarski. He's fucking killing it. Yeah, awesome stuff. And Jacob yeah. Phillips has been doing a great job throughout the course yep. of the series, too. Of course, the artists on that. Um, but if we're talking about the looking at all these, because we got, I mean, when you talk about the artists, too, as we touch on all these things, I mean, Noctero's got Tony Daniel, uh, Gunslinger Spawn has Brett Booth, Silvercoin, Michael Wallace, who's great for that series, and, and then, of course, Jacob Phillips. But I think for me, when we look at all these books, my favorite artist of these image books has to be Abel. And yes, it's because it's Sean Murphy asking Sean Murphy might be my favorite comic book artist out there. Brett Booth is right there, though, too. Um, But speaking of Abel, Rogue Son issue five. (laughs) Yeah, yep, because we got left on this. So Ryan Parrott left us on a huge like what the fuck moment with issue four. And actually, I don't think you had read the book in time for um our like last time we spoke about it on nope. on the show so i couldn't talk to you about it till afterwards then we get it here and then it's like things are taken to like a further degree you know, expounded upon all that so if you're <laughs> waiting on this cliffhanger you get some answers here and it's like holy shit and that's kind of fucked up yeah 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 yeah, yeah. i love it it was it was absolutely tremendous i i i i read this and newburn uh you know before you did and again it was just eyeball emojis with the uh, a series of exclamation you know uh you know marks just it was so fucking good and again you're just going what the what the what i thought the dad was the prick wait what huh oh shit yeah oh shit you know it was just just a tremendous issue again another another series where it just keeps getting yes better and better and better and i think i am with you where as much as i love radiant black i think right where we are 
right now with Rogue Son, like that, like is definitely edged ahead. Yep, it has. I, I, I think, and and Radiant I, Black's excellent. Don't it's, it's not it's not a knock on Radiant, Radiant Black Radiant at all. Black's but awesome. like, yep, what Parrot's doing with 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 Rogue Son right now is just like because it's a, it there is a stark contrast between the two. Mm-hmm. right now right especially where where radiant black is story-wise and where and it's just like it's just like radiant black is i don't want to say plateau but it's sort of we're, we're on this even plane and it's setting up for another ramp up yeah right but yep. rogue sun is just we're in the middle of that incline right now baby. I, yeah i think i think it's a pretty good way to describe it like Radi- like radiant black is starting to t- like guide us down a path and i think like it's necessary and it continues to be good we you know we both love radiant black but it's continued to be good throughout but they have to build up to what it seems like they're trying to do with marshall right now it's yeah. it's going to take a little bit of work so i i see like where like why it's taken so long um, for Kyle to to get us there, like to get to that next pick. Oh fuck! Because yeah, yeah. You, need some, you need some work. You can't just do it out of the blue, right? Um, but, but it's with, coming. Yes, it's coming. But with Rogue Son, it has been okay. Awesome stuff. Really cool art too. Um, and then we get jerked one way, taken another way, then this way. And every single issue has just been like, we're, like, like it all makes sense. It all adds up. But it's like didn't see that coming. You're leading us this way, and then what the fuck's that? Yeah. Um, so like it's been. You know, it's it's been awesome. Um, both of the both Ryan and uh, and Kyle Higgins, of course, the writer on Radiant Black, are supposed to be at uh, Boston Fan Expo for those of our New England listeners. So you may want to stop by and say hi to those guys if they show up this year. Uh, at least they're scheduled for that. Hopefully, they end up showing. Um, but yeah, man, I think right now, you know, I don't, I, I'm not big on always like ranking things, but when you look at Im- you know, Image, obviously, a lot of our favorite books are from Image. Um, but right now, man. Rogue Sun might be my favorite ongoing comic right now. Um, so co- the combination of, of Abel being what you know an up and coming artist and having a, a style that I'm a big fan of, and then just what they've done with this like this, the plot of the story and how like you can go in so many different directions. So like you're just starting things out and the, the, uh, the potential is infinite. And then Dylan is just like such a you know where at one point it's like oh it's interesting how you're taking this kid who's kind of like a piece of shit. And then, you know, you're showing like people can change, but now he's still kind of a piece of shit. But yeah. at the same time, you don't blame him for being that way because look at what we get in issue five. It's yeah. not, it's 10 times worse than we thought it was. So he's surrounded by pieces of shit. Yeah. That's what it comes down to, <laughs> apparently. Some more so than others. So yeah, it's been, it's been great. Um, and then, you know, look, we're talking about, uh, we're talking about, uh, you know, all this image stuff, we don't even touch on Skybound, um, which does publish through Image, but technically they are separate. Well, technically, they are separate. Um, but I hate this place issue two. You texted me about this before um, when it came to the first issue. I know you haven't gotten a look at the second issue, but another, you know, like, like the first issue, really good, ready to go back in for that second issue right away. Second issue, you're not going to be disappointed when you give this one a look, Joe. I promise you that. Nice. Looking forward to that. Um, then Dark Horse, we got Lonesome, the Lonesome Hunters, uh, Lonesome Hunter, uh, issue one, Shaolin Cowboy, Cruel to Be Kin, issue two, uh, The Collector, Unit 731, issue three. And just a reminder, too, of course, we had uh, the creators of Interradness on from Dark Horse. That's a Dark Horse book last week, I believe it was. Um, that book is not out yet this week. It's going to be out the final week of June. Uh, that's coming out in trade form. So it's all five issues of that story there. Um, but let's see, Joe. Why don't you take us through some of these next few here? Okay. So from IDW, we have Usagi Yojimbo, Lone Goat, and Kid Number 6. Mm. And uh, Jeffrey McNamara's and Swaggin's favorite book, My Little Pony Number 2. You need to record uh, something with, with Swaggin someday. Like if I got to yeah, set something up here and like, like we got to do something. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. I, she, she would, I think she would love that. Okay. Uh, from AWA, we have the finale for Primo. So Primo's number four. Uh, and the Joneses number three, which I still have to read the second issue. Uh, it was good. Oh, did I just circle back on that? It was good. It was good. Yeah, was the, definitely, okay, yeah, the yeah, ending's yeah. like, oh boy, it's, it's yeah. pretty good. Yeah. Image just keeps putting out so much shit. I it's it just getting caught up on that. Staying on top of that, I should say, is my stack is getting well, really. Would you high like now. more? Beware the Eye of Odin. Is that what you want uh, from Image? Yeah. <laughs> uh, from Dynamite, we have Samurai, uh, Samurai Sonia number one, which I'm very interested to check oh, out. Oh yeah. 
uh, Source Point Press, we have Nook number one, uh, cover of Darkness number six, which I love, but I can't fucking read because Newberry Comics doesn't pick it up. And uh, mm-hmm. Comixology gives me shitty fucking copies of it, which are uh, completely unreadable. Did you uh, see the report that apparently Comixology is going to fix their shit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I believe when yeah. I fucking see it. Okay. Uh, yeah. Okay, uh, bro. <laughs> okay, bro. Courier, uh, corollary number three uh, from Titan. We have Cowboy Bebop number four. Rivers of London, Deadly Ever After, number two. From Speaking of comicsology, books that actually are readable. Again, from Chip Zdarsky, The All-Nighter, number six. Uh, Aftershock, we have Kaiju score number... I forgot to write the number down. I'm going to assume mm. three or four, somewhere around there. Uh, from Vault, we have Mindset, number one, which we both read. And I think we both sort of feel the same way. They just tried to cram too much in that first issue. Yeah. And it just... I, I'll read the second issue because I think there's some meat on the bone there for a good story. But if the second issue is anything like the first in terms of layout and amount of information, I might be out. Yeah, I thought it was like, all right, it's all right. Like, I, I mean, I can see maybe people maybe being more into it than I am. Um, I, I saw this getting quite a bit of hype, so I was excited going into it. So maybe expectations didn't help either. But like I'm, I'm gonna, like, you go ahead and read the second issue. I'm, I'll if you tell me that it's really good, I'll give it a look. But other than that, like. Yeah, probably gonna just, and and there was something about the lettering too. Like it just, it was a lot. It was Mm. a a bit sensory. Over the art, the art. I will say the art was gorgeous, and the premise um, of the book is sort of you know there's a murder, um, and you know there's a guy being interrogated by the cops. He says, "I didn't do it. I was being mind controlled by an app." So there's this whole tech, you know, technology. So like. There's something there that I think I could really enjoy, but yep. they cramped so much in there. So much. It's a I lot. Just, like, you know. It's a lot. And it's just like, it, it's like, it all makes sense and everything. Like it's not poorly done in that sense, but it's just like you're, I feel like maybe it's, I don't know if it's hand holding or if it's just like, this is, there's just too much it was just going a on. Lot. It was yeah, a and, lot. Yeah. It was and for like, something that when you're in, when you're, I understand like we're not based in reality in the sense like you have this mind control. Uh, at least we don't think there's mind control. Um, there may be brain control though. Obviously we know there's a very staunch difference between the two. Um, but I, I don't like when you're set in reality more so like you don't need to give us that much in that first could, issue. They a hundred percent could have, could have cut back a lot of the dialogue and exposition and it would have been like, I think a heck of a lot better. Did you get um, my dinner for schmucks reference that I was making there? I don't think I've ever seen dinner for schmucks. You've never seen dinner for schmucks. No, wow. Okay. All right. Well, yeah. my, my apologies. I'm, I guess I'm the schmuck here. Um, well, obviously. But, yeah. Well, we go to boom, uh, dickhead, and uh, we've got obviously three books that you're reading from over there. Something is kill- or two, two. Excuse me. Something's killing the children. Issue twenty four. The killer. Uh, affairs of the state. I always want to say state of the state of affairs. I know, right? I would. I do the same thing. Uh, issue five. We only find them when they're dead. Issue eleven, which you did read, but you're done with that, right? Like you, you. I, I, I read the first arc. I wasn't like in love with it. I thought it was good, and then I just, I'm so far behind. I'm, a, I'm a, I'm a completely a second arc behind. On gotcha. This. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, and then uh, all new Firefly issue five, Magic the Hidden Planeswalker issue three. And Joe, that is it for what's new. And it's time to do something we haven't done in a long time. I don't know if you don't remember how to do this. Um, it's, been a, it's been a long time since issue 61. We're on 62 now. Uh, so that means it's time for you to tell us about a, uh, a book that you that you wanted to share with me. Not going to lie. I kind of thought we were doing a solicit uh, this week. That's what it felt like. <laughs> <laughs> for real. I know. It's, it's but, crazy. When I was going to do it, I'm like, uh, what one? I know I have some in the bank. Like, which one do I want to do? Right. So this is a book I've wanted to do for a little bit, uh, but keeps getting put, kept getting pushed back because we kept getting, you know, various interviews and then it would be time for solicits. And so more uh, interviews, right. And more interviews. So uh, this week from boom studios, uh, I am discussing eat the rich uh, written by Sarah Gailey, artist, pious black colors, Roman Titov and letters by Cardinal Ray. Uh, This book was uh, excellent. I I loved it. Um, you know, from the from the first issue on, and 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 quickly called dibs. Um, and and I'm excited I can finally talk about it. So, uh, synopsis: What unspeakable horror eats away at the heart of Crestfall Bluffs? With law school and her whole life ahead of her, Joey plans summer with her boyfriend Aster in his seemingly perfect hometown of Crestfall Bluffs. 
It's a chance to finally meet Astor's family and childhood friends, all while enjoying a vacation uh, with every need attended to by servants. But beneath the affluent perfection lies a dark, deadly rot. Will Joey discover the truth before it's too late? And if she does, can she survive to tell the tale? Perfect for fans of Stillwater and Nailbiter. Wow. So uh, two books I love very much, one of which, Nailbiter, I've discussed on this show. And I would say you talked it's Stillwater so- on the show, too. That's right. I did, right? Unbelievable. Jesus, that's how long it's been. I can't wait till we get Chip on again. I'm going to tell him that you forgot. <laughs> I got to get back in his good graces. I'm on the shit list now. Yeah. Uh, so I would say that this book is is perfectly smack dab between those two, right? Stillwater uh, is, is a great character story. Nailbiter also, but it's a lot more, um, you know, violent and vicious. And so this, so Eat the Rich sort of weasels right, right in between the two uh, really perfectly. So this is, uh, Eat the Rich is five issues. Um, and it's, it's a perfect, like, Perfect five issues. It's perfectly paced and it ends at the right point, you know, and you're not like you're not clamoring for more like it ends. It's a satisfying end, you know, and I think, you know, this is something that we've seen AWA do really well where they they come out with these books that are four, five, six issues long and they hit the nail on the head. I think the only real exception we had was like Marjorie Finnegan, which was eight, which is, you know, uncharacteristic for AWA. And we both feel it was probably about two issues too long, mm. right? So, like, that's the sweet spot. And what's funny is that this is sort of like a couple of years ago, this is what Boom was doing. They were coming out with these books that were supposed to be five, six issues long. Um, but then you had uh, Something is Killing the Children and Once in Future come along and just say, oh, yeah, oh, oh okay, yeah, screw six issues. We're going to 12. Oh, yeah, fuck 12 issues. We're just we're ongoing, right? Mm-hmm. And so while I think those two stories lended to that, you know, formula really well, this one does it. And that's not a knock on this book, because I think what what Sarah Gailey does here is that they tell a uh, like I said, a really great story in in, in it's um, it's tight, right? Mm-hmm. Five issues. Boom. Perfect. And it's paced really well. You, you fly through it, which is, again, not a knock. You, you just get so engrossed into it. And I mean, I guess maybe they could come back and, you know, revisit this, but I kind of hope they don't because I really like the story they told. I mean, they would have to tell this story with, I think, a a whole different set of characters at that point, like just, you know, start a different series. But Mm -hmm. with that said, you know, Eat the Rich is about a family um, living in a ritzy coastal community, as a synopsis you stated, um, that's very powerful, uh, very eccentric. um, And it's sort of, you know, what what else? Like, what are the skeletons? You know, in the closet here. So it's hit close home to, for you. Oh, yeah, yeah, because I'm I'm very rich and eccentric. Mm. Yeah, I drive a fucking Nissan Sentra. <laughs> 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 so you know, the story focuses on Aster, uh, who is sort of the you know this family's. You know, he's the eldest son. Um, who, you know, his character has has quit drinking. He's returning to his family home for the summer with his girlfriend, Joey. He hasn't been there in a while. Um, his family and friends, you know, again, they're rich. You like to bury your hand, you know, your head in the sand with these sort of things. So, you know, like, oh, they don't really know I had a drinking problem. They don't know that I've quit drinking, right? So, like, there's some good, like, character development, you know, there with him. And then Joey... You learn right off the bat, you know, she's a very neurotic mess, very anxious. Um, she doesn't think she's good enough for Aster. She's very intimidated about meeting his family. So, like, we haven't even got, like, the first few pages, you haven't even really gotten into the meat of the story yet, but you already know so much about these two characters. So, you know, Sarah Gailey does some really good character work here um, and, you know, really does a good job at setting up some suspense without anything really happening yet. Mm. Um, and so, you know... You know, she doesn't feel the part of high society. She doesn't look the part of high society. And so, like, she's just, like, on edge this entire time. And then you get there. You meet the family. You get the sense right away. Boom. Yeah. There's, there's something going on. His family's odd, but you still don't really know yet. Um, we meet another character where Joey is. Um, she just needs, like, she constantly needs uh, a breath of fresh air. 
which gets her into trouble later on in this first issue. But she walks down to the beach. She meets another character, the family nanny. Her name is Patal. And, um, you know, so they start talking. Uh, she's watching over one of the you know family's babies who all of a sudden, like, Joey doesn't see this. And Patel seems, you know, undisturbed by it. But the baby has like a jawbone, a human jawbone. It's just like teething on it. Like she what? found from the sand. So that's the moment you go, where the fuck is this story going? <laughs> right. And like Patel just sort of like, oh, oh, he must the baby just must have gotten some sand in its mouth, you know. And uh, so Joey like kind of connects with her and offers her help. Like, if you ever need any help, just let me know. And Patel says, I'm gonna give you a piece of advice. Don't ever let that family see you being friendly to the help. Don't offer the help help, or you won't survive one day in Ooh. this family Ooh. so now now it's like, okay well what, what you got baby teething on fucking human bones and you've got you know this other character saying like don't let this rich family see you you know you know being nice to me or else you're not gonna you survive like okay what the hell is is going on here and so this all this stuff is first issue stuff so it's uh, you know there's so much more to it so that night there's a big party it's like the kick off the summer Astra's very nervous uh joey's very fucking nervous you know the families there's a lot of pressure you know it's a it's a big sort of it's a big gala it's a big beachside barbecue sort of thing and again joey's like i, I gotta get some air i gotta get some air she goes back down to the beach and she sees one of the butlers getting violently murdered i mean viciously murdered and she doesn't know what the fuck to do. And so she just runs off in, in a panic. And then several panels later, you see like that butler being cooked. You just see human remains on a grill. And that's sort of how the first issue ends. So like eat the rich. Okay. I get the title now. Where is this story going? And so the next four issues just do a great job of sort of diving into what the actual fuck is going on. Um, you get to know, like, who knows what is Aster involved? You know, how does Joey come to grips with what she saw? You know, who and what is this family exactly? And so, like, it's a wild ride as we get to the conclusion. And, you know, it definitely, as I said earlier, it's got that still water vibe to it in terms of like you've got like this community that is set in its ways. And mm. now you've got an outsider coming in and, you know, is the outsider really going to, you know, buck the trends of what's going on? And are, are they the perceived enemy of this is community? Um, and then again, with that nail biter vibe, you get a lot of horror mm. violence blood right so it's like it's a perfect marriage between the two really and so the suspense is great the art is fantastic i'm not uh familiar with pious black's work but excellent job excellent excellent job here in this book yes yeah, so that's what i was going to ask you when it came to the art style because I, I'm, i've you know, seen some of the cover obviously you posted one um on uh, on our twitter account also on our, our instagram page both at tldr underscore pod for those who don't follow us there yet and i saw i saw the art i didn't know if that was pious black's art for that cover specifically but i was curious is it more like um kind of like uh philadelphia and, and like jason sean no, alexander no, no, or it... the exact opposite i would say if anything it's it's probably closer to Moore's kind of style. Okay. All right. Yeah. So you it's know, like cool, not, like that cool, like co comic book meets manga ish kind of thing. A little bit, a little bit, you know, the okay. colorist to uh Roman Titov, like the colors in this book are, are great as well. So like, if you're a fan of horror, you're going to enjoy this. Like I said, it, it reads quick, but that's not a knock on it. It's just entertaining <gasps> and wild as hell. So, uh, can't, I can't recommend it enough if you're a horror fan. This is great. I, I don't think ever I mean, call something a quick read. I don't think that's usually bad unless you preface before like this just didn't say anything. Yeah, it's, not, yeah. it's cl clearly well, saying we even a lot. Said, but we said that once with a right a righteous thirst for vengeance. Yes. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so know, fast. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, but what the other question, the same question that I generally have for you, um, this seems like it's something to be more like a movie based on no, only being five issues. hundred percent, you know, make this a movie. I mean, if you were going to do a TV show, it, it would have to be four or five um, episodes, but even then it, it would just be better as a movie. I mm. think a good tight two hour movie. You well, know? they like under, no, they actually, no, based on what you said, never mind. It, it makes more sense. That it would be a movie. I, I, I kind of, yeah, because like you, you said, you couldn't see how they'd go beyond um, 
like they how this would get extended like some of those other boom books were like this has to be right. a tight story okay yeah cool um interesting i know it's so like i said uh, lauren's a big like i forget what i think it was the echo wife that uh she read by uh sarah gailey and really like i think that was the book i get some of the 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 writers that she reads mixed up here and there, some of their books, but, um, but yeah, so that's cool to hear like that, that they uh, wrote a cool comic too. I'm definitely going to give this one a check at some point. Um, interesting. The art style. Like I didn't expect it to be, when you say Dan Mora adjacent, wouldn't guess that for a horror book ever. Yeah. Like I think it's not quite like, you don't look at me. Like, oh, this, this looks like Dan Mora stuff, but I would say it's sort of in that similar yeah. vein that, more towards you know that scale versus the Jason, uh, the, the the Jason Alexander side of things. Yeah, I that's very interesting. Sean Jason, I did not not George Costanza, uh, <laughs> Jason Sean Alexander. <laughs> before before we go further down this rabbit hole, uh, we're gonna talk. We're, we got some pretty violent stuff going on today. Joe's talking about eating the rich, and uh, I got kill or be killed from Image Comics. Uh, of course, this is written by Ed Brubaker, who we've talked about on the show quite a bit and Sean Phillips his partner in crime um Brubaker being the writer uh Sean Phillips being the artist the colors for this one uh Elizabeth Brightweiser um didn't list the letters so I'm assuming it's any one of those three I'm not going to give credit to her I don't know it's necessarily due um but we talked about Sean Phillips and Brubaker a little while back for um the reckless books they have four of those out now enjoyed Every single one of them. I know some people feel like I've seen from like Reddit and different people kind of how they respond to it. Some didn't like one of them. Um, but then there's other people who are like, I, I don't like, I like that one and not this other one. So, but by and large, like all four, I thought were really well done. Um, and obviously reading this, I actually started reading Kill or Be Killed before I started reading the Reckless books. I do believe this came out first. This ran from August 16th to June um from August 2016 to June 2018. Um, this is a 20 issue story, four trades. Um, it's available, they're available in four trades now, um, or in one full collected edition. As you can imagine, Joe, with this kind of coming to an end, would be better suited for actually this could be turned into a show. Um, not to you know kneecap you and take away that question from you. Well, I, I was gonna say, you know, I want I want an Ed Brubaker, Sean Phillips just show created for you know, uh, you know property created you know because like they just tell that noir style so well and i think that brew baker's writing you know just leads itself to a, a wonderful serialized type show yeah I, I, give me a give me a sherlock style show like hour hour and a half hmm. with these with these tight books that he tells like you you know like the 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 reckless series yeah like one book could be like three one and a half hour episodes and tell that whole story. It would be yeah. fantastic. Reckless could be a show or it could be a series of movies. This, I think, you know, it could end up being better suited as like a one-off limited series and like make it like eight or nine episodes, something to that, and just have it be that because I don't think it would be well suited as a movie. But the problem is, um, and I'll get into it more, is the narration. And it, but it's also a strength of the story. I'll talk about that a little bit more. Um, but first, the synopsis. Uh, Killer Be Killed is the story of a troubled young man who is compelled to kill bad people and how he struggles to keep his secret as it slowly begins to ruin his life and the lives of his friends and loved ones. Both a thriller and a deconstruction of vigilantism. I don't think you can sum up this any better than that. Um, this is another pulp crime story, of course, that's Brubaker and Phillips Forte. The main character at the center of all this is name is Dylan. Um, and for me, what I like. Look, we usually pick up stuff because of like certain writers, right? Like you see cool art and you maybe want to give it a shot. But if you see, okay, this writer's on this. I know I like this writer. I know Joe or someone else likes this writer. I'm going to give this one a look. But I will admit when I saw this cover for Killer Be Killed, it's like, oh, we got the, this red mask kind of here like that. Like, okay. Like I didn't know. I had no clue what it was because I definitely do that sometimes where I don't look at the synopsis beforehand. I'm just like, I'm going to give it a look. Um, and then – just kind of ran with it from there. So uh, really cool, really cool art in this, um, in this issue, this series. I, like for me, where I obviously like Sean Phillips is a good artist. 
I think with um, the reckless stuff, like it's it's cool and everything, and I think it plays well. And Jacob Phelps is a colorist, obviously makes sense for the story. But I think for Killer Be Killed, where there's a lot more like action and more violence in this story, I just think it, it kind of had more of an impact on me in the sense of like I, I can't wait to see what Phelps is going to be drawing next. And of course, you know, Brett Weiser's colors and everything really fit for the story and whatnot. Um, but as for the character Dylan, um, he I mentioned before, as I mentioned before, he becomes this vigilante. Actually, we meet him. They do this thing where um, we've seen it before with other stories where you start in the middle of a story or towards the end of something, and then you kind of work your way back. They do that like in almost every friggin' issue of the story, and it's like it's kind of a joke that the character makes because the character's talking to the reader. Um, but it works. Like they, they make it work every single time. It feels very fluid, very natural, and it brings you right in, right off the rip. Um, but the thing with this character, Dylan, is he is very unwell. He is on medication. You know, and obviously, you know, plenty of people see you know psychiatrists and they can be fine. But he's got a lot more deep stuff going on. I don't know if it's depression, but it feels kind of like that. Um, but either way, he's he has to take his meds, and the whole thing is like. It's he's a very unreliable narrator, but at the same time, you're seeing all the actions transpire in front of you. One difference between like prose and comics, like you can see all these things. Um, doesn't mean it can't be a dream sequence, but you see all these things, and it's like, okay, like I feel like I should be believing every single one of these things. Um, but at the same time, it's like, ah, you know, like this demon is involved in all this, and it's like this feels like a grounded story, and you got this character who's not really all there i don't know what to necessarily believe um and that's what but they do like that's what brubaker's greatest strength i think is in all this and that's where it would make it tough to adapt this thing and have it be reach its full peak of awesomeness in another medium because the narration here i don't think obviously you can use that stuff in in shows and in movies and it can still be very effective but here i just think it it like reflects everything whether it's going on with the panels but also kind of pulls you away at times too um and at the same time takes you inside this character's head but it's just it, because you're reading like it just it, it like you just don't know exactly what to believe because this character is so calculated mm, in ways gotcha. i'm just like uh, are you sure dude like <laughs> i don't know like like the the demon thing like is so like up and down you just don't know um, but anyways, awesome character, awesome story. Um, you got Kira who is, um, the, was, who starts out in this story as the girlfriend of Dylan's roommate. And then in the first few pages, her and Dylan start kind of messing around. So that becomes the whole thing. Um, and then Mason is Dylan's roommate who you don't really see throughout the majority of things. Um, like he pops up here and there, but him and him and Dylan don't get along. Um, I don't really think they got much. They didn't really get much along before that whole thing. Um, but then after they broke up, he just like, they really didn't get along at all. You, you meet a few other characters that are around for a bit, but kind of go in and out of the story. It's mostly about Dylan. Kira pops up in the course of it all. Um, but yeah, to me, this is right up there with um, like with any of their um, pulp fiction stuff that they've done. I thought that the, the action really like more so stood out than usual. But you get like the mob mixed in, and in the way like the the cops are chasing down Dylan, but at the same time you run into this issue like he's killing guys. He's, he's doing basically what Red Hood does. He's killing people who deserve it, like you know like, like pedophiles, um, you know mob guys, people who. Um, who uh, like uh, what is what, what is it that uh, Bernie Madoff did? Um, Ponzi scheme. Ponzi scheme. Thank you. Like a guy, a guy who ran a Ponzi scheme, um, who basically got like not even full four full. He got sentenced to, like four years in jail and didn't serve the four years because, of course, that's how things work. Um, and he's back out just doing his own thing. So um, all that kind of stuff. And then again, you got this like demon character that's in the mix that like. At first, like it pops up right away, pops up in the first issue, and you want to believe that it's that he's got like he makes like he fits into things. Like it's as much as it's a grounded story, there's a demon at play. But then as it goes along, it's like I don't know. You sure about that? Like I don't. So it, they do a great job of of planting seeds of doubt every step of the way. Um, awesome storytelling, issue to issue, not just like overall overarching. They do a great job of like pulling you in different directions, and then the character work with Dylan is. Honestly, the character work with Dylan is some of the better stuff I think I've seen like recently. Um, obviously, this book's been out for a while, but um, they do they do a great job with like just messing around with him, messing around with the readers, especially through the narration. Which again, 
where I can be quick to criticize narration when mm-hmm. it, I think it's just hard to do it well. I think it's easy to get lazy with it. When it's done well, it is done very well. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Well, was, was, what I was trying to say earlier is like, I need like Brew Baker to become like the next Dick Wolf, you mm. know, on TV and just start writing, writing crime shows. Yeah. Right. And, and giving it to us on the regular because uh, the guy's got a knack for it. Obviously. Yeah. He, he does. He, they, they, they're, they are a great tandem. Um, they, 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 some would say like they're the um, TLDR of writing comics. Yeah. I think some, yeah. some people would say that, but yeah. um, I, I'm not sure who those people are, but some would say that. Um, so uh, one thing though, Joe, that you and I have kind of overlooked over the, in, our, in our time on this show, as we kind of move away from the, as part of our main line, we've tried to do some different stuff, of course, in our show. But one thing that you and I were told recently that we've overlooked is apparently, tell me, tell me if you've heard this. There's this book called the failed, no, it's not the failed superheroes club. It is the league of regrettable superheroes by John Morris. Have you heard of this? Uh, I believe good friend of the show, Wesley Burho had suggested that, you know, either us or dork, you know, read this book and talk about, you know, some characters from it. And, uh, but alas, we have, Oh, yes, we yeah. have. <laughs> yes, we have. So th- thank you, Wes. Wes um, Burho presents the failed yeah, superhero club. That's what we're going to call this from now on. I'm going to to figure out how to spell his last name. But now, yeah. Now, now, but to his credit, to his credit, we've only done a, a few of these and they've been mainline only. And we've only done like three mainline, you know, mm-hmm. episodes in the past, you know, three months, yep. you know. So, so I, I get it, right? Easy yes. to miss. But it is. It's a great book. Nick, you got this for Christmas from your soon-to-be sister-in-law. Yes. Yeah. Yes. This was a. This was a great gift. Yeah. Uh, it, it, and it's honestly, it is the gift that keeps on giving. I'll tell you what, Joe. We got a real fucking winner this week. Um, <laughs> so uh, this is in this is book. I'm sure is available at Barnes and Noble. I would think local comic shops. I think I actually saw it at Time Capsule in Seekonk, my local comic shop. So you should be able to pick this up wherever you pick up your comics. Some awesome stuff by John Morris. Um, a, you know, a collection of a, ter- a bunch of awful stuff. So uh, th- this week, Joe, <clears throat> we have characters, characters, this is a team. This is oh. as a team. Created by Alan Mandel and Dan Barry. Uh, they debuted in Hellman Periodicals um, in January 1943. This is from this is Clue Comics issue one so a recent a recent book yes of course uh god damn it <laughs> i wasn't ready for that um <clears throat> so this week i want to tell you about and i hope you have you don't have problem uh, problem sleeping at night nightmare and sleepy <laughs> are they are they dwarves no <laughs> no uh sleep we got sleepy and doc talking about both on the show today apparently though um uh, but uh yeah Feel you said i was sleepy. highest before the show um <laughs> but okay so we got bob white who is the character nightmare and then we got terry wake who is the character sleepy this is on the nose on that yes. one yes oh yes yes yeah i meant wake Terry Wake, that is brilliant writing. I know, like Stan Lee said, like you know, in the past, like oh, I would do alliteration because it makes it easier to remember these characters' names because there's just so many of them. I mean, I kind of get that. Like that's kind of become a comic book thing. Like whatever, Terry Wake, that's lazy. That's bad. <laughs> that's just. I mean, it's a sign you know, of the times. It too. was a different. It was a different world in 1943. You know. <sighs> well, apparently, they still had wrestlers back then, Joe. Because oh, apparently yeah. that's what Bob White was. He was it's not enough to be a wrestler. That's not fulfilling enough. He has to go and fight crime in his travels as well. Not at all strange. Um, no, it's great. It's fantastic. This Love might it. be more rally than I realize. Actually. Yeah, I think it might be. I'm gonna see if we find it. I'll see if Comicsology has this. Oh, that would be amazing. And he did an episode <laughs> we didn't we have to do like a, a special episode on that one. I don't know what we'd call it, but um he wears a skeleton costume covered by uh phosphorescent phosphorescent paint. That is his superhero off, and he wears like a skull. That's how it started out, at least. The character went through a lot Seems of Seems a little ahead of its time for 1943, not going to lie. Maybe, but then we get... The, so then we get this with Terry Wake. So um, with as far as the superhero costume goes, he wears what look like footy pajamas. And uh, then he has a like a red riding hood hood and cape. And then he has like red gloves. 
So I don't know how that works. But kind of sounds like you know Sp- Peter Parker's for Spider Man suit. Okay, we're cooking with some sure, gas here. Sure, sure. Okay. You know. So how do you feel about this? Terry Wake is a teenager. He also happens to be Bob White's wrestling manager. The teenager's the manager. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and That's if you look at the art, if, if you look at the art of the kid, like it's a kid for sure, no doubt about it. That's okay. That's a little odd. I'm not gonna lie. A that's, little odd. That's a smidge odd. That's yeah. the I, I look. Uh, the Terry Wake thing is terrible. Or well, maybe he's it, Benjamin Button. You know, oh. he's got that Benjamin Button disease. Who you know? So, you are yeah. so mindful and so sensitive. I, I God, you are so deep, Joe. I didn't. How did I not think of that? Just because I'm should shallow, be writing I these fucking. Bo- I should be writing these fucking books. I mean, honest to God, you could have you could have written millions back in the day. Fuck. <laughs> um, but uh, then, so they, they fight supernatural foes, including the Undertaker, pre-Undertaker from wrestling. I'll give them that credit. Uh, Robert Baron, and then this is the biggest one, Joe: the corpse that steals lot living men's faces. I was just, I was just reading this. It, was, it sounds like these guys were ahead of their time. Undertaker, uh, we got you sort of a, a Spider-Man-esque vibe here. We got a Nick Cage, John Travolta face-off thing going on here. <laughs> Right? Yeah. Like sure. I don't know. I don't know. These guys yeah, might have been onto something. Alan Mandel and, and and Dan Barry. Okay. Time travelers, perhaps. I, I tend to disagree. These characters also don't have superpowers. So basically, that this guy is going and he's professional wrestling by day, which is I, I understand it may have not have been as as taxing back then, but I'm, it is still as, as it is now. But it's still a taxing thing to do, a taxing profession to have on your body not super powered at all. And then he goes and fights crime at night without the help of powers, just goes and kicks some ass. Sleepy doesn't Sounds have like powers Batman, either. You know? Sure. But Batman also doesn't fight, doesn't fight people during the day unless he's being Batman. Bruce Wayne does not do that. Yeah. Right. True. Right. right. So this guy's maybe, a, maybe a step ahead, you know? Wow. Well, right. he's broke. So, well, that, that's a stark contrast. That yep. makes things difficult. Mm-hmm. But that's why he's fighting during the day. He's going to make that cheddar, you know? Yeah. Speaking of Batman, actually, because Batman was obviously around at that time, um, this character kind of starts out pretty dark with, you know, the supernatural stuff. And then things, I guess, get kind of lighter. Nightmare goes through a change in his costume to look more superhero-like. In fact, according to, to, uh, to John Morris, he ended up getting a cowl with horns. Kind of similar, not too far off from a guy you just mentioned before. Kane Estate has a copyright infringement on their hands, I think. I think you're right. And then uh, over time, you move away from these supernatural foes, and then they start fighting like regular, like common thugs and Nazis. Well, course, yeah, of course. You got to be fighting Nazis. It's in the four, yeah, you got to. So by the end of this character's history, who I hope someone manages to bring him back at some point, just do some stupid shit with him. Uh, in his last appearance, Nightmare was reimagined as a crime-fighting genie <laughs> who was summoned by the, uh, by the smoking of a home. By Aladdin. By the, <laughs> no, close, though. Very close. Nosy McGinnis. <laughs> That's a fucking name. Yes. <laughs> and Nosy McGinnis' profession? He is a private detective. <laughs> he summoned him by smoking a homemade cigar. <laughs> yeah, cigar. Fucking mm. knows him fucking high off his ass. I feel ass. like I'm burying the lead with all that, but that's yeah. unfortunately the, the character's history. Like we go chronological chronological order with all this stuff. So yeah. Um, we got to see if Nosey McGinnis is in this book too, because who sounds like yeah, that. you got to flip through. I need to know more about Nosey McGinnis. Yeah, I'll, I'll give that a look. But we have only just scratched the surface when it comes to the failed superheroes club. Presented by Wesley Burho uh, and the Boxers Podcast. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we're going to have to do. That's yeah. how we'll do it. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, so uh, next week, uh, it looks like we got some other stuff cooking. So you guys may have to wait a while longer for the next mainline episode. So enjoy this while it lasts. Um, but until <laughs> next week, Joe, stay sexy. Uh, you know it. I like Nick's just like, I'm out. All right, we're yeah. done.